five, four, three, two, one. Take off, take off, take off. The beginning. The beginning, the beginning. Hello, everyone. This is Joseph Brownlee. Are you ready for some old-fashioned Bible study? You know, like we used to do back in the day, as we say in our old neighborhoods. <laughs> Welcome to Connecting the Dots. Welcome to Connecting the Dots. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host. How is everybody doing today? Happy Sunday for you all. You know, I hope you're enjoying yourselves. I hope you're thanking the Lord for another blessed day that you have made this Sunday, okay? All right. Genesis. Genesis, the beginning. Now, I want to talk about Genesis. Genesis is a very unique, interesting, profound book. Where it should be is the beginning of the Bible. It's the beginning. It's the first book of the Bible. Genesis means beginnings. Now, for the ones just tuning in, have you ever wanted to learn Genesis or understand the book of Genesis? Besides the stories we was brought up on, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, ate the Apple, you know, the term apple and stuff like that. And then the devil came to see, caused them to eat the apple, and then they died, and blah, blah, blah. The, uh, the stories you heard in different school books or even in some of your churches years ago and everything like that. I'm basically talking about the ones that's almost my age. <laughs> well, anyway, Genesis is more to that. And I know that's not. You know, verbatim, word for word, is of the beginning of Genesis. Uh, that that's that's not the way it was read, but I'm just talking about when we was growing up and uh, the way we was taught that what was going on in Genesis uh, with Adam and Eve and with Satan, the devil, and stuff like that. And, you know, Adam ate the apple and Eve ate the apple and then they died and whatever like that. And then all of a sudden, this curse fell down. It was a lot of not knowing uh, and ignorance then when we got taught how to understand the book of Genesis, or it was read to us that way. You you, you understand what I'm saying, my listeners? Okay, let let's, let let me let me get into this. Okay, hello everyone. This is Joseph Brownlee. Welcome to the show. Okay, for the new listeners that doesn't know what that don't know where I'm going with this, I have been teaching out of the book of Genesis. I call it uh, a teaching and Bible study on Genesis, the early chapters, the or the early the early chapters. Early chapter chapters mean that I will be doing a study verse by verse study on the beginning of uh, creation, the creation of life when it comes to life, the heaven and the earth, the sky. And everything else, the beasts, the animals, and then all the creation of man and female, uh, and then the fall of man, and then we're going to get into everything like that. Uh, the rest of the story, Cain and Abel, then we're going to get into the Tower of Babel, and we're going to get into and end it with Noah. Now, the book of Genesis holds, uh, has 50 chapters in it, but I'm not going to read the whole book of Genesis. This is just an early book study of the early beginnings of Genesis, okay? 
And the reason I'm doing this because it's, it's a lot of misconceptions it's, it's a, and there's a lot of uh, misinterpretation and understanding even in the book of Genesis. If you ask the average person today, what do they know about Genesis? Where does sin come from? Who was Adam and Eve? What was the fruit Adam and Eve ate? What did Satan say to uh, Eve that made her you know, disobey God and stuff like that. The majority of the people would not know nothing about that, even in the church. They would not know exactly how it went. Why? Because we never really learned, we never really learned to read that story for ourselves, okay? So it's still a lot of ignorance of not knowing, you know, the real breakdown of the book of Genesis, the beginnings. Now, the whole book of Genesis is incredible. The whole book of Genesis is the beginning, but I'm talking about the beginning of beginnings from Adam and Eve, okay? Now, before I go any further, if you want to uh, uh, go back where I first started uh, studying on the book of Genesis, you have to go back to the, uh, the last few podcasts. I've done about six of them now. Or eight, six or eight, eight podcasts I have done, eight segments on the Genesis. Please go back, like I always say for my uh, my uh, faithful listeners or the ones that listen to my podcast, go back to the oh, those shows and you will get the beginning and then you will get the follow-up update on Genesis from book one that all the way up to book three. All, I mean, book from uh, chapter one all the way up to chapter three. You know, and you will uh, get a good understanding on the book of Genesis. Just going back there, it's a lot of meat. It's a lot of stuff. I do a lot of ja- you know, yapping like I always do and everything. And uh, but I do. Uh, I try to follow up with as much scripture as I can. And I use quotes and I use other quotes. And I also was using this uh, the Hebrew translation. That is a new system that I have ran into. That's called the mechanical. It's a mechanical translation of Genesis, and it's a uh, it it's a book that was uh, written by Mark Bell. He's he's a, a Hebrew scholar, old Hebrew scholar, and everything. So I've been using his book. I'm not going to use that today. You know, because I'm in an area that I don't have a hold to it. I kind of, I left it at home, so I'm after work now. So I'm going to, I just found a little time. And when I find time, you know me, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to make a podcast. I'm going to find a way to get God's word out there. Whatever little free time that I have, I'm going to find that way. Okay, I'm going to continue. Now, like I said, you have to go back. So I'm going to do a recap. This is what I, this is just a little short recap on Genesis. I got into the beginning of Genesis. I read from the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was out what was without void and form, or form and void, <clears throat> shape. It was really nothing there. You know, when you look at the beginning of Genesis, that I, I broke that down and I and I and I explained what I believe that it was saying. I believe. Because it's a lot of, uh, not a lot, but um, a lot of ministers and a lot of people and theologians and grace teachers look at that beginning of form and void, that saying right there in the beginning of Genesis, and they breaking down several ways what was really going on when it comes to the uh, the void. It was void and it was empty. Okay, so let's just go back there. This is just a recap, so I can just make sure I am quoting God's word exactly. Okay correctly. Now, 
In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was was without form and void. Okay, form and void. You know, that we 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 talked about that. Okay, now my conclusion of what this verse is saying, I came up when God when He created the earth. He created the heaven, but after that, everything was just based on the earth. He didn't talk about much about heaven until later on. But basically, he talked about the earth. And then he, uh, the Bible says the earth was out form and void. And I took that as the earth was just empty. You know how you make something? You create something, but there's nothing in it. It was nothing filled in. You you made or you filled some in it later. So that was my conclusion and everything. But you have other theologians that have their differences. Why it was void. They believe that the earth was tampered with or it was a, something like that. Or the earth was used before and God had to remake it or something like that. You have some ministers um, believe in that term. Okay, but I'm getting to that later. I'm going to go back to that, you know. But I also got into... <clears throat> Telling you about the creation because Genesis one breaks down the creation. It's it's just like a parenthesis. It's it's it's, it's like foretelling you what happened. This is God telling you everything He done. I remember I broke down the name God, uh, which is mean Yahweh or Elohim, or either one Yahweh Yahweh or Elohim, and it uh the all the the self existing one, the all powerful, the creator, the one that seems distance to a lot of people. God Elohim. It was mostly used in this, I believe, more singular than anything, because Elohim was used a lot in the Bible. Elohim is a plural word. It's a plural name. You know, so many people look at that, including myself, as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Remember, the, the Bible talks about the Spirit hovered over the earth and everything. So all, all three of them, I really believe, was working in this creation. Okay, <clears throat> so Elohim, you know. Or Yahweh created the heavens and the earth and everything. So, you know. But I broke down there because I remember I was telling you, uh, I, I counted 29 times that God's name was used in a, uh, the first chapter of Genesis. Then I talked about how it changed from uh, Genesis 2 and 4. Then it started saying, Lord God, capital letters, L-O-R-D, capital. Then I searched that because I wanted to search and I wanted to know why it changed somewhat and why, what's the difference. I knew it had to be something, but I, I wasn't sure about that and I just searched it and I looked at different commentaries and I searched it and I word searched because that's what I do more now, word search. And I uh, got the names together, found out the Lord God was mostly Yahweh Elohim. And it was more of a personal aspect. It was more like, and uh, one commentator said, like uh, Adam looking at it in, in, in his experience why this was happening. There's no concrete proof for that, but that's just a commentator's. You know how we use our opinions and we just do a lot of guesswork. But uh, that was his, you know, opinion on that but i always thought it, it seemed like it was a personal it became more personal singular god created this is god the creator you know yahweh you know creating the heavens and the heaven excuse me singular and the earth and then uh chapter two is more lord god yahweh elohim is more personal when it comes to uh creating a beast and stuff and stuff like that now both of them talks about the creation of both of them both for one and two talk about the creation of the beast and man.
But more, two, like I try to reiterate on, two is more of the actual format when you get into the generations, how it happens. Besides excluding talking about the heaven and the earth, but it gets into the heavens and then it gets into Lord God, which is Yahweh Elohim, is more personal. And a breakdown in chapter two, that's the actual format, I believe, in chapter two of what happened in Genesis, all creation. So it's not a contradiction and it's not uh, the Bible saying things twice like it's two creations with one and two and if anybody would read it that way i believe they would get confused if they didn't they didn't connect the dots so it's all about connecting dots in the bible then i got in all the way to two and then we got into three we got into <clears throat> when the woman was formed, we got into where the beast was formed. I broke down that I don't name every creature. He had the, God gave him the free free will to name every creature. And I was telling you every creature was named from Adam. Adam gave creatures names back in that time, back, you know, in the beginning. He named all those creatures. Now, we don't know what all creatures was created. Dinosaurs and everything um, probably was included in that, but Adam named every creature of that time. And I was just trying to explain to the ones that had that question, if they had a Q&A, okay, what about these weird looking, not weird looking, but strange looking animals today, you know, blah, blah, whatever like that, mixed breed. No, Adam had nothing to do with that in naming those. Those was breeding and, and uh, pre-created by man, by mixed breeding and stuff like that. I explained that. And then we got into <coughs> everything goes. We got into the creation of the woman, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I mean, that's why the man and the wife leave the uh, mom and dad, because the father and the, uh, and the mother, because they become as one. I broke that down. Okay, then I left off at three. We got into three. We got into the serpent. I tried to explain the serpent. I looked at went to, uh, through a few scriptures explaining the serpent, how Satan is, you know, looked at as the serpent, tried to break down what was the serpent, who was the serpent, why did Satan use the serpent? And I told you it was explained in three and one. Now the serpent was more crafty. That's why Satan, I believe that Satan used the serpent because he was more crafty than any other beast. And that's kind of self-explanatory in, in the beginning of uh, three and one in Genesis. And so on and so on and so on. Finally, when I got the three, I stopped at 10. Now, I'm going to go back over that, and I'm going to do this about, what, 15 more minutes, 15 more minutes, because I'm going to, you know, try to do this in 15 more minutes. I'm not going to finish the whole uh, chapter of three, but I just, I gave you that little run-up right there, you know, so I, for the ones that's just tuning in, you know, uh, stuff like that, the ones that's just tuning in, they can have an idea what verses I already went through, and if they want to hear the full gist of it or the full breakdown of that study, they will have to go back to the previous eight podcast shows, which is right close together, okay, because I've done them all right after each other, you know, praise God, praise God. Okay, let me go back and let's go to two. Now I'm gonna start off at two, you know. And uh, the word of God says in Genesis three and two, and the woman said unto the serpent, remember we was talking about the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, remember I said mist means middle, God hath said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Remember I talked about that and then I broke it down 
and the Hebrew translation, the original translation, you know, with the, uh, according to the Hebrew translation uh, of Genesis, okay? The mechanical translation, I'm sorry, of Genesis. And it say, you shall not die. And remember, that, uh, the other translation said, a dying, you shall not die. A dying, you die not. That was a Hebrew translation. But I'm going to make this fast. I'm not going to get into the Hebrew translation now. And basically, you know, you probably have some people, I thought it was already broken down. Yes, the King James already, the King James Bible is already translated the Hebrew and the Greek already. But I just wanted to get my eyes on it myself and see the original text as on for, for myself. You know, and I think a lot of us should be hungry enough to try to do something like that. You don't have to. It's not a requirement by the Father. I really doubt that, but it's good when you're trying to teach someone, you know, uh, what the Word of God is really saying, even uh, even in the King James Bible, which I trust more than any other translation, it's good to look at the Hebrew language because there will or that you could find errors even in the King James or not as many as much as the other translations, but the errors are not bad. It's just a mistranslation and words, little small things like that, or too many wording or not enough wording. You know, some books add too much wording, like the NIV adds a lot of words, thousands, but it also takes out certain important passages of the true, you know, text as well, you know, that King James keeps saying. So it's different ways that translations put in. So King James is the closest and most reliable book to me, you know, when it comes to translating the Hebrew and the Old Testament as well as the Greek. Well, anyway, I'm not going to be using that mechanical translation today. So let's go to three. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, the middle of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest he die. And the serpent, I'm just going to go right through this because I broke it down on my last podcast, so I'm not going to just try to elaborate on it again. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. In other words, you won't die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, as God's little g, Satan lied. See, Satan lied. He lied. He, he added a little lie with truth. Added a little lie with truth. You know, that enticed Eve. He, he kind of uh, swiveled on Eve. You know, you know, swirl like guys do a lot of young ladies today. You know, macking and all that little cute talk. That's what he done with Eve. <laughs> and the woman saw that the tree was good. Remember the three aspects of it that she fell into? Good for the eyes. She saw that the tree was good for food and enticed her. And she lusted out of it because it looked good to eat. And the tree to be desired to make one wise. The third one, that she wanted to be wise like God. She took the fruit thereof and did eat it and gave also to her husband with her. And he did eat. Remember, I broke that down in the last show and everything. Was Adam right there by her? Or was Adam a couple of ways, a couple of feet from her? Or was Adam was just not, or was Adam, you know, like a, I used the term a lot of uh, men do today, not paying their wife any attention? And she is, she's getting played on and getting manipulated and bamboozled while the man is right there. We don't know, but I just go what the Bible says that Adam was with her and she gave him some to eat and he ate it. So we could speculate on that all we want to. We're going to leave it as it is. Adam was there and some reason he didn't do what he's supposed to do and she got manipulated. Then we talk about how did the serpent talk? Did he talk audible? How did he look? How did he do? We broke. I broke that down in the last podcast. You want to know more about that? Go back to that show. You know, we talked about that. All right. Now, let's get into verse 8. 
I mean, verse 7. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew and they knew that they were naked. We, I talked about the nakedness, and I broke down nakedness. They, they knew that they were naked. Then I said, remember, when <clears throat> in two, Genesis 2 and 25, it ends with they were both naked, the man and the wife, and were not ashamed. Now, that was before that, I was saying, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh where I want. And then it goes to 25, and it says, and they were both naked, Genesis 2 and 25. They were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. Remember, remember, I talked about that. They had no shame fastness. I use shame fastness. They had no shame because they had nothing to be ashamed about. There was their natural beauty of their nakedness. Now, nakedness was not a bad thing then. The, uh, the Hebrew translation said they was nude. You know, so it's no contradiction there. Nakedness was not a bad thing. I explained it in a baby term. Being a baby, you know, a baby come out, they get to playing, they naked. They can run around butt naked, you know, skin butt naked and won't think nothing about it because they have no shame. They don't know what, what they're not looking at or what they're not looking at. Like little babies. That's how it was with Adam and Eve. They was like little babies. They was the first creation. They was one. They looked alike to themselves. Whatever parts they seen was normal to them. It wasn't nothing to be ashamed about because there was no shame. They didn't know the difference between good and evil. Good and evil became a curse. Only God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit knew good from evil. Only God knew that. But by them disobeying them, blah, 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 they, they understood not all knowledge, but they understood the difference between good and evil. That's why after this, they became ashamed according to this. And the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. See, they knew their eyes were open. Remember, I said their eyes were eyes, their spiritual eyes, not the physical eyes. Their spiritual eyes were open. You know, because at that same time, the spiritual eyes were open, and they sold fig trees together and made themselves aprons. Let me read something here. Then God came as usual to walk and talk with Adam and Eve. Now, when it goes down here, what Adam said, and they heard, when, in verse 8, it reads, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, they heard the voice. You were, if anybody don't, that, that reads the Bible will look at that and say, okay, he heard the voice. Okay, what about the voice? What was God saying? I believe God was calling Adam's name. That's what this verse, another way is just saying, and Adam or Adam and Eve heard the voice of God calling them while he was walking in the garden. That, that puts it plainly. You know, the King James can uh, say things in a way it translated in the old English way that is used with all this is saying is God was walking in the garden calling Adam. Okay, that's what this verse means. And they heard the voice of the Lord God or the Lord God or Yahweh Elohim walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You notice it uses a temperature. Now, before that, the Bible didn't talk about temperature too much. It talked about mist and stuff like that, but not the temperature. I believe this was a change because it says the cool of the day. And usually coolness and coldness does not represent anything good according to the uh, the atmosphere, according to weather like that. And that's the way I look at it because it's mentioned. Why did it mention the cool of the day? Was it always cool of the day? 
or did it ever the weather change that way? I don't think so. I believe it started changing. Everything started changing after Adam and Eve. And I believe after really Adam ate the fruit, everything started changing because he was the one God told not to eat of that tree of knowledge. You understand what I'm saying? Now, this is speculation. This is all speculation. I'm not eisegesis or adding anything to it. But when you try to connect the dots, you just, I just noticed when it's heard, they heard the voice of God. God was calling them and Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Why was God walking? walking in the garden, he knew they'd done something because it had to be a change. God knew it from the beginning. Now, God knew before. Now, you know, if it's me and you, we could say, oh, wow, you know, God surprised? No, no, God is not surprised. He already knew that, but God, like I said on a few podcasts before, the Almighty God knows the past from the future, so he let things plays out for his glory. This is his story. For his glory. Ooh, I like that. This is his story for his glory. <laughs> I like that. But anyway, God let these plays. I know he's not surprised, but he's doing this for us so we can know his glory, how powerful and wise the all-existing, self-existing God is. God was never born, and he will never end. He's the A and the Z. So God knew all things. So when he was walking in the garden, he was just letting the action play out. Even though he knew Adam and Eve was going to disobey anyway, he's doing it for hours. This is for us to get an understanding, not him. So he's not shocked about nothing in the Bible. This is just for us to show us his glory and his all-knowing, his omnipresent, his omniscient, and his all-powerful ways. You understand what I'm saying, okay? All right. So Adam and Eve hid themselves. Let me read a quote here. The God came as usual to walk and talk with Adam and Eve. They heard him and hid themselves among the trees. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I just quoted that. They heard God walking in the garden. They heard his voice. In other words, evidently he was calling them. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now we just read that in Genesis 3 and 8. The Lord God called unto Adam and asked him, Where art thou, Adam? Genesis 3 and 9, Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Genesis 2 and 10. God knew what had happened, but he wanted Adam and Eve to admit they had done wrong. Remember, I brought that God, as I don't know, he already knew that. He knew when it was going to happen, the exact time and everything. So he already knew, but he wanted Adam and Eve to admit they had done wrong. God asked them some questions. In other words, God asked Adam, but he knew Eve was going to hear anyway because they're one. God asked Adam some questions. God questions helped Adam and Eve to realize the wrong they had done by questioning them. They wouldn't fess up, so God just brung it to them and questioned them. Instead of having a wonderful walk with God in the beautiful garden of Eden, they were scared, helpless, and hiding. Fear came. Helplessness came. They were hiding. Why they was hiding? Because their eyes were open. They knew, one, they knew that they was naked, so they stopped covering up their private parts. They knew shame fastness came. They was ashamed. They stopped covering up their their uh their secret parts that's going to be hidden now. Since before, it wasn't nothing secret about it. I gave you the uh, the baby example. When a child gets older, they start discovering things and they start learning things, right? 
they start, they don't do, we, we didn't do the things that we used to do. We used to play together with clothes and underwear and didn't think nothing about it. But as we got older, we started learning and discovering it was certain parts that was kind of shameful. We tried to keep it covered because we was taught that way and our, our natural inner self of the curse of Adam was showing the same fastness. We have to keep this covered now because it's a curse now. We can't look at each other that way anymore. So our, our natural ability that God put in us, you know, we start being shame fastness. I mean, we start being ashamed of things and we start keeping it closed. So ever since after the curse, we have to be clothed. By law, we have to be clothed because those parts that wasn't secret before, those hidden parts, you know what hidden parts I'm talking about, the breast, the uh, genitals, and stuff like that. Those hidden parts, the behind, and all that stuff. Not the feet, not the arms, not the head, anything, but the mostly in the middle. It's the middle part. The mid middle and that part became sacred. That part became a, a shame fastness. You had to keep it covered. And it was only available for the wife or the husband in a marriage. Wow, okay? All right. So when you get older, you start discovering that certain things, you know, you ain't supposed to be looking at when it comes to a woman or when it comes to a man, you know, you understand what I'm saying. Okay. God said, who told thee that thou was naked? Now, God know nobody told them. He already know what happened with the serpent. Thou hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat. Now, this is Genesis 3.11. This is where I stopped that on my last podcast. Okay. Now. Excuse me. All right. 12 says, and the man says, the woman. Now, they start blaming. Adam stopped blaming. He said the woman. Remember, it was just a woman. You know, uh, Adam, have, he, he he did not give Eve her name yet. That's laid on down the, uh, the verses, you know, going to the end of this uh, chapter, I believe. Adam stopped blaming the woman. Okay. Listen to what Adam said. Hey, Lord. The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me a tree, and I did eat. She gave me of the tree. In other words, she gave me this fruit off this tree, and I ate it, man. It's your fault, God. You gave this woman to me, and she the one gave it to me. That's basically what Adam is saying. Don't that sound familiar? We love playing the blame game, you know, so he blamed the woman so fast, you know, this is her fault. This is God. You gave this woman to me, you know, so it's God's fault. And she the one gave me this fruit off this tree and I told her not to do it, but I just ate it because she, 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 she gave it to me and I just obeyed her and ate it. You know, that's basically what he's saying. He's blaming Eve. He blaming the woman. And then this is what happened after that. 13 verse, and 3 and 13, And the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And watch this, check this out. This is the woman response. This is classic. This is the woman response. She started blaming. And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. She didn't say Satan. You notice that. She didn't say Satan. Adam didn't even say Satan. Adam did not even blame the serpent. Read this slowly. He did not even blame the serpent, but the woman said, the serpent beguiled me. The serpent tricked me. The serpent lied to me. The serpent bareboozled me. The serpent tricked me, and I did eat. In other words, the serpent tricked me. That's why I ate. Oh, the serpent, now she blames the serpent. God heard that. 
Now, God know what all is going to go on, but check this out. 14 says, And the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God said unto the serpent. Listen to this closely. Then I'm going to go back and I'm going to stop. Listen to this closely. The Lord God said unto the serpent. Remember, when you see here the serpent, this is what going to give a picture of who the serpent was used by. Okay? Listen closely. The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. Now, I heard somebody saying this, and I never even looked at it this way, but, but I, I always do this. When I hear somebody say something that makes them say, I say, oh, I never really, it's a lot of things I haven't even thought of until I started listening to other people and I started looking at it and reading it myself. I always backtrack and read things myself to try to verify. I don't take everything what everybody says, but I, I do, I'm, I'm a very willing learner. I'm always willing to learn. And I looked at this verse, the Lord God said unto the serpent, you know, he didn't use Satan. He said it to the serpent, but it is Satan. God know it is Satan. He called him a serpent, the old dragon, old serpent. Because thou hast done this, because you have done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. Now, who is cursed? Not Satan, but the serpent. Okay, you might say, how come God cursed the serpent? It wasn't a serpent's fault. Satan used the serpent. How come God cursed the serpent? The serpent had nothing to do with it. He was used by Satan. That's kind of mean why God done this. Now, this is a takedown that I looked up. This is a takedown that I also heard, and it makes a lot of sense. When you read this, the because of the sin of the serpent being used by Satan, sin was going to come down anyway, and the serpent is just one of them that's going to be cursed. This is part of his curse anyway, rather, you know, he was used or not, he was going to be cursed. But since he was used, this was part of his curse. Now, when it says, and above the, the because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. Above. See, it was really hard on the serpent because the serpent is Satan. Okay. Cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly thou shalt go. And dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, this what the this what the history and interpretation of the snake came from, because and that's what made many people believe, including myself and others, believe that maybe the serpent had legs, or maybe the serpent had army legs, or maybe he walked it upright. We don't know. The Bible does not talk about that. But for God to say. Above every beast and fear upon thy belly, thou shalt go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, you can look at this in different ways. It's a possibility the serpent was an upright walker. It's a possibility that the serpent had legs like a lizard or something like that. There's a possibility he had four legs, arms and legs, and he walked close to the ground anyway. We don't know how the serpent looked. The Bible does not explain how the serpent looked. Now, they have past pictures and stuff like that in photos and different books, you know, and stuff like that. Beautiful photos, you know, but that does not really explain how the serpent bodily looked. And the Bible does not talk about that. So all we can do is just look at the serpent and just you know, come up with conclusions or just speculate or have an opinion. We're searching, and God allowed us to do that. We're searching. 
But at the same time, I don't think God wants to spend so much time, hours, trying to wonder, did the serpent have legs or arms? He wants us to look at the motive. He wants us to look at the action. He wants us to look at the cause of why Satan used the serpent and why the serpent was cursed like this. Okay? That's what, see, that's the way. God's ways are different in our ways. We got to understand that sometimes God's ways are like riddles. God's ways are like a guessing game. God's ways are hard for the human mind, this finite mind to understand. All this stuff will come to fruition, and I have no doubt, when we see God face to face. And we will be able to ask God, what was the main purpose? What what did this really mean? I don't think we can handle it now, and I don't think we can understand it, even if he told us plainly. This is not the time for him to explain all his actions now. He will do that in the heavenly places and on the kingdom program. And I'm sure that he will have no problem doing a Q&A, <laughs> breaking down, okay, this is what the serpent looked like. We might see a real serpent. I don't know about that. But, you know, in the heavenly places, you know, I don't know about that. But I'm just saying, definition and a form of the serpent is not explained to the Bible. So we don't want to ice Jesus and make it no worse than what it is or no better. Because we don't want to lead nobody with a picture of a serpent with legs. Used to be having legs and whatever like that. But I believe, I really believe a serpent is a snake now. And some way it probably had that same form and look. I don't know. But did it have legs? Did it walk upright? Did it anything like that? I don't know. But I just know the Bible did not say, I'm going to take your legs away. See, if if I say that, that means I'm adding to it. If I look at this this verse and say, Above every beast of the field upon thy belly, thou shalt go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. life. Now, anywhere in there does God say, I'm going to take your legs away, and you won't be able to walk? I want, I'm going to take your arms away, and you're going to be able to crawl? Does anywhere in this verse God say, okay, this is the serpent, like a storybook. The serpent had legs. The serpent had arms. The serpent had wings. The serpent was like a, built like an angel or man. The Bible does not say any form of shape of the serpent. It just talks about the attributes of the serpent, the craftiness of the serpent, not the looks. He don't want us to focus on the looks, but on the actions and on the motives. That's why he didn't put it there, but I'm sure he's not He's not going to have a problem explaining to his children, you know, what the serpent was, what he looked like, and why he had to crawl. What was before? Did he have arms and legs? I'm sure that would be explained when we get to the heaven, heavenly places, I have no doubt, okay? <laughs> I'm going to stop there because there's so much I want to get into. I'm going to stop there and I'm going to do another one. So, but I'm going to get right into that in its entirely. But we're going to start right there. But I want you to think about everything. When it comes to reading the Bible, read it slowly and don't add anything that's not in there and don't take nothing away. Something is plainly said and some things are not for a reason. I don't care what translation you get. If you got a translation just saying, okay, the serpent came walking. You X that out right away. That's an error because it's not a correct translation. The Bible says nothing about a serpent walking. It doesn't even mention Satan. You've got to translate saying the devil done this, Satan done this, Satan deceived Eve. You take that out because we have to go exactly what the Bible said. It's going to get to that point that you're going to know a Satan on the coming verses. 
And I'm going to get to that. And the next one, the common verses where you would know if you are a Bible studier who the serpent was or what the serpent represented, who was playing the serpent, okay? God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee of Connecting the Dots. More Bible study on the early Genesis. Joseph Brownlee on Connecting the Dots. God bless you all. Stay tuned. If you're not saved, this is the time to be saved. Not yesterday. Not this week. Not today. Not the next hour. Not the next minute. Not the next second. The time of salvation is now. And by believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. That's the way to be saved. Believe that and receive it and you will be saved. God bless you all. I went a little longer than I thought. But you know me. That's what I do. God bless you all. Bye bye. Peace out. Love you.